good to be in the presence of the Lord. It's good to be worshiping the Lord. It's good to minister to him first before you receive from him second. Amen? Amen. And so get ready to receive the word of the Lord today. Um, let's open with prayer and let's see what the Lord would give us through his word. Father, thank you again for your people. Thank you for this place. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. And Father, thank you for the pastor that you have placed among us, Pastor Rick. Lord, we ask you to bless him, strengthen him, comfort him, be with him, fill him, refresh him. We thank you for the gift that you've given the body. And we ask you, Lord God, to surround him, his wife Kim, and his sons, and use them for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, it's good to be with you tonight. I don't always get this treat, but I'm glad to be here. And uh, I know a lot of you in this room are feeling disappointed by the election day results. Okay. What I'm sensing in my spirit is this. What ails this nation will not be remedied by the voting booth, but by the prayer closet, personally and corporately. Amen. Amen. Psalm 118, verses 8 through 9 says this, It is better take re to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. See, we're trying to remedy the situation of the nation by voting people in. And what ails the nation is not going to be cured by any particular party, okay, or by particular man, okay? There's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he rules over the nations. And right now, um, the nation of America is in ICU, and it's on life support. And there is no cure except the Lord and God's people. And so we can vote till the cows come home. What ails the nation is not going to be solved through the voting booth. It's going to be solved through the people of, of God getting on their knees, humbling themselves, and crying out to God to save the nation. And because of that, I don't want you to be disappointed because things that you feel like, well, things didn't go our way. It's, it's, it, things aren't going to go our way in this season that the nation is in. The nation is under the chastisement of the Lord. And because the, the nation is under the chastisement of the Lord, you can vote all you want. The will of the Lord prevails. And because the will of the Lord prevails, and we want things to go a particular way and they're not going away. Well, then we got, you know what it is? I'm going to put it to you this way. We need a different plan. See, if we're trying to solve the nation's ails through voting, it's not going to happen. The Bible says, if my people will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal the nation. See, there's a way, there's, there's God's way and there's man's way. And we're trying to cure or, or, or stop something in the nation from happening man's way. And it's not going to happen that way. We're under, the nation right now is under the chastisement of the Lord. And so we can, we have to look at it and we have to discern what's going on. See, for a long time, this nation lived under the protection and blessing of the Lord. There's never been a nation like America on the face of the earth ever. Never a nation so blessed. Never a nation so prosperous. And, all of, and, and now we look and we wonder, what happened? And we know what's happened. We've turned our back on God. We've taken God out of the government. We've taken God out of the court system. We've taken God out of the schools. We've taken God out of the marketplace. We've taken God out of the family. And because we've taken God out of every place and institution that God has ordained, well, we're wondering where God is and why God isn't moving or what's happening. And we have to understand the nation needs to turn and to repent. 
And so for a long time, this nation that's lived under the protection and blessing of God, we, can, we are no longer living under either of those. 9-11 showed us that the protection of God has been removed from the nation. And we see, now we see all the immorality going on, and we, and we see this happening, and we're wondering what's going on with America. What's going on with America is very, is very simple. And America has left God, and America is sick. And America has, is terminally ill, almost on its last breaths. And for those of you who love this nation, it's like, it's like a good friend. You're holding his hand in the ICU, and it has all of its wires and tubes and breathing tubes and, and monitors going on, and you're holding his hand, hoping for the best. It's not over yet. Because if the people of God will get a hold of God and get an understanding of God and get a vision of God and turn to God, then God will heal the land. See, when a nation celebrates and votes to kill a baby in the womb, God cannot and will not bless that nation. When a nation publicly celebrates its immorality and indoctrinates vulnerable children into its perversion, God cannot and will not bless that nation. When the, uh, the God-ordained institutions the nuclear family, the military, and law enforcement that make a nation stable, strong, and secure are attacked, ridiculed, and weakened. That nation can no longer function. And so we find ourselves in this place. So now, I'm not here to discourage you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm giving you what I'm giving you, the State of the Union. I'm giving you the state of the, the, I'm giving you the report of the nation. I'm giving you the doctor's report. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit report. I'm giving you God's report of what the nation is going through. So don't be discouraged because we, we, we were all encouraged that all oh, this is going to, it's going to change this. There's this, this wave coming, this wave coming. And it didn't come. And so we wake up this morning. We're on the, well, what happened? What's going on? And what's going on is that the hand of God is chastising this nation. And until the nation turns to God, then things will change. See, I'm here tonight to give you the word of the Lord to sustain you in perilous times. See, it says in Timothy that in the end, and that in the end days, perilous times will come. We are in perilous times. And so... Now that the church and the people of God are in perilous times, how do we move with God to, to sustain not only ourselves, but the gospel and move it forward in these last days? And so the word of the Lord came to me, and I want to give it to you because it's a good word. It's a comforting word, and it's a word that I hope will comfort you and allow you to move how God desires his church to move in these days. Three points from Scripture to motivate and encourage us to lay hold of God in these evil days. How many can, can agree with me that we are living in evil times right now? Right? I mean, it's right in your face. The lies, the deception, the immorality, the perversion, the lawlessness. Evil times are upon us. And... What we need to do as a people is be able to stand for the Lord and to find, first find strength in the Lord, stand for the Lord, and move with the Lord. So there's three things or three points from Scripture that I want to give to you to motivate you, to encourage you today. If you have your Bibles with you, whether it's on uh, an iPad, a phone, or if you actually have an old-fashioned Bible with paper on it, we're going to be turning to Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Matter of fact, I got to get there myself. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. 
in the year that King Uzziah's, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Amen. That's a good word. I appreciate it. I, 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 my, when my eyes opened up, uh, that's the word that came to me. I had been praying and asking the Lord for the word for this season, for this time, even for this day that we're in. And the word of the Lord came through. And so now, let's take apart what God is trying to say to us here. In Isaiah 1-4, through when he talks about this, he says, In the year the king Uzziah died. Now I want to let you know something, that the end of one thing is the beginning of another. Well, that sounds deep, quite philosophical. Yes, the end of one thing is the beginning of another. See, when, we, when I say to you that, that we, are, we have moved away from the blessing and protection of the Lord into another realm, which is the chastisement of the Lord. So we've left the thing of the past, and now we are entering into a new beginning of time or a new, be, or a new season. See, and the Bible tells us that whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. God loves America, for God, God loves the world. The world is under the chastisement of the Lord. But it's only those who have ears to hear, sensitive of heart, that are willing to turn and, and, and face the Lord and endure the chastisement. Why? So that they can be a people ready for his use. So the end of one thing is the beginning of another. And you see, in the time of, of, of Isaiah, the king had died. That was the end of an era, and it was the beginning of something new. Now, let me tell you about King Uzziah, because some of you may be saying, well, who's King Uzziah? I'm glad you asked. In 2 Chronicles 26, and I'm not going to read it all once for time, but if you want to read about King Uzziah, you can read it in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. But I'll give you a quick synopsis of who King Uzziah was. He was a good king who became proud. He tried to fulfill the priestly duty in the temple. God struck him with leprosy and removed him from the temple and society for the rest of his life. Now, to give you a, 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 from Scripture, it says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 3 through 5, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. Can you imagine your 16-year-old becoming king? Uh, yes, that's a scary thing. Uzziah becoming 16 years old and becoming king. Now understand, there were, he, he, there were priests and, and there were godly people around the king to help the king to grow up and to understand what it meant to be king in Israel and how to operate as a king and as a good king. And so for a time in his life, Uzziah embraced the teaching from the priest and from the prophets. 
he allowed himself to be instructed in the ways of God. So it says here, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years. That's a long reign. He reigned 52 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jechaliah, or Jackie for short, well, you know. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. See, what happened to Uzziah was that as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him successful. As long as he sought the Lord and was humble and received teaching, he was blessed. As long as he sought the Lord and had a tender heart towards the people, towards God, towards the nation, he was blessed. But somewhere along the line, Uzziah distanced himself from God. And little by little, he became proud. He became arrogant. See, he, became, he was powerful. Who's going to come against the king? And because he became, because, God, because when he was humble, God gave him authority, he gave him power, he gave him victory, he gave him wealth, he allowed the nation of Israel to be expanded. He built walls, he fortified cities, he built, he built an armory, he built, a, he built an army, he did all the things that a king should do in a humble estate to protect the nation. And as God gave him success, what happens is, is he became proud. Now, if we look at our nation, we started out a humble nation. The pilgrims landing on a rock in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which it wasn't at that time, but when the pilgrims landed, what they desired to do was they escaped the persecution from England, and they desired to set up the kingdom of God here in this new land. And so we started out with humble beginnings. And because we started out with humble beginnings, God began to bless us. And as God began to bless us, we began to grow. And as God began to bless us, we began to prosper. And as God began to bless us, we got successful. And as God began to bless us and protect us, we grew strong. And because we forgot the blessings of God and the protection of God, we've become proud. And when we became proud, we said, we don't need God anymore in our schools. We don't need God anymore in our government. We don't need God anymore in our courts. We don't need God anymore in the marketplace. We don't need God anymore in our government. We don't need God. We can do it ourselves. And because we became proud, we became sick, just like Uzziah. And so the judgment of God that came upon Uzziah in one moment, he's in the temple arguing with the priest and trying to do the priestly duty that only the priest can do that was ordained by God immediately got struck him with leprosy. And as, as, he was, as quick as he was to get in there, he was quick to get out. And because the judgment of God came on him, he no longer was allowed to live in society. He was no longer to rule, and he was no longer allowed in the temple. He was cast out by God. And because he was cast out by God, he, no, he lost his power, he lost his authority, and he lost all the blessings that God had given him. And he spent the last years of his life in seclusion. So I want to tell you today that morality is dead in America. When you look and you see the perversion that's going on in our nations, and people saying, um, I can live any way I want. I can do anything I want. I can sleep with anyone I want. I can live any lifestyle I want. I can, I can rob at any time. I can go into a store now with a bag and I can fill it up and I can walk out the store unassaulting. I can walk in the streets and I can cause crime. I can do whatever I want because I'm free to do according to my own wants, needs, and there's no one to stop me. See, morality in our nation is dead. And so because a morality is dead in our nation, we're left with the same state that Isaiah found himself in when the king had died. See, there's a celebration 
of abortion. There are women that get on TV, that get in front of a microphone and will tell you how happy they were to have killed an unborn child. And it's celebrated. And they're celebrated. It's also, there's the exaltation of perversion. The fact that there is transgender happy time in our public schools, in our local libraries, and, and we celebrate men dressing as women and parading in front of children, and we think that's a good thing. Morality is dead in America. Because there is a stench of death in our society, we need a clear vision of who God really is in all his awesome holiness. When the season changed at, in the time of Isaiah's life, and it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And so he, see, he gets a vision of God. And you see, the thing that's going to help us in our time of need right now is we need a fresh vision of God. See, the status quo in the church can no longer be the status quo. We can't go on with what we did in the old. The old way does not work. It was good for a season, but it's not for the season that we find ourselves in today. It was good. We lived a life of comfort. Things all around us seemed well. We were enjoying the blessing of the Lord. We felt safe. We felt secure, even in our own homes. Walking the street, we, we felt secure. We felt at ease. And because we felt at ease, we got laissez-faire with all the things of God. We got laissez-faire in, in the church. We, we just, we were, eat, drink, and be merry. But the times have changed. And because the times have changed, the people of God need to change with the times. And because we're living in evil times, we cannot close our eyes to the Lord. We cannot close our eyes to the wickedness. We cannot close our eyes and think that we can come in and operate in the same way as we operated before and expect things to be different. We're living in different times. And because we're living in different times, we need a fresh vision of God. See, Uzziah, I'm sorry, Isaiah, he received a fresh vision of the Lord. And because he received a fresh vision of the Lord and he saw the Lord in his temple and he saw the worship of the Lord going on and he saw the seraphim, he saw the holiness of God, he saw the activity of heaven. And because he saw all of these things, it shook him and it, and it, and it began to change him. Matter of fact, it changed him in a moment. As we see here, in Isaiah chapter 5, starting in chapter 5, it says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand and that he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. See, one, the next thing that we need to understand here as we're, as we're trying to operate in the, in the season and the times that we're in, the first thing we need to know is that when the old is past, new things begin. Secondly, we need not only to see God for who he really is, but we need to see ourselves for who we really are. See, I can dress this person up and I can, I can take a shower, I can shave, I can shave my head. On the outside, I look like I got it together. But on the inside, I do not. And on the outside, each and every one of us in this room looks like we got it together. But if we're honest, we do not. There are things in our lives that do not bring pleasure or glory to the Lord. And because there's things in each and every one of us that do not bring honor and pleasure or glory to the Lord, things have to change. 
See, there was something in Isaiah's life that as soon as he saw the king, he shouted out in repentance. Woe is me, for I'm undone. For my eyes have seen the Lord, the king. And, and I dwell among a people with unclean lips, and I'm a man myself with unclean lips. See, he immediately began to, to repent and to confess what was going on in his life. Something in Isaiah's life he knew did not please the Lord. See, and I can tell you, uh, a couple of days ago, my daughter, we're sitting at home, we're, we're doing some sort of activity, I don't remember what, and my daughter says, what the H-E double hell, double, H-E double hockey sticks. I don't want to say the word, okay? Okay? And, my, and it, Jill goes, Isabella, and she goes, Daddy says it. And I was like, thanks a lot. Remind me not to rob a bank with you. But here's the thing. I'm a man of unclean lips. Okay? I'm a man that's undone. I'm a man myself who needs to be right with the Lord. There are things in my life that need to change as well as there's things in your life that need to change. And if we want to see God, we have to be willing to change in order to please him. I want to see God for, really, who, for who he really is. See, repentance is a nice word. Oh, I, I repent. Well, I'll repent again. Lord, I repent. All right, Lord, I'm trying to repent. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the repentant thing. Repentance is a gift of God. And let me tell you something. When there's a sovereign move of God, repentance will really take place. Because I don't have the strength to repent in and of myself, nor do you. Okay, there are things I want to repent of, but I seem to find myself repeating instead of repenting. And because I'm still repeating the things that I desire to repent, I really need to see God for who he really is so that I can really repent. And so here's the thing. How can we expect a nation to repent if the people of God aren't there yet? Like I said, repentance is a nice word. But true repentance happens when God shows up and reveals his holiness. I remember my first, when I, really, when I started seeking the Lord, and I was a, a broken man, an angry man, a, just a, not a good man. And I remember being a thief, being a drug seller, drug doer, all this, all this stuff. My life was a mess, and, but I was coming to church. And I wasn't playing fake. I was coming to church because... I needed something that I didn't have. And the Lord had already touched me on a street corner. And I'm just trying to find out what it is that he touched me with. I remember the first time he touched me, and I, and I was in the church, and I, I, I raised my hand for Jesus, and I accepted Jesus, and they gave me a Bible. And then an hour and a half later, I'm walking out, and there were all my friends like, where were you? I was in there. What were you doing? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. What's that? It's a Bible. What are you doing with it? I don't know. <laughs> but I knew whatever I needed was in there, and I was going to find out. What was going on? Okay? And I read that Bible for two years. In all of my mess, I read that Bible every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. I tore up that word till it began to change me. But I still wasn't right. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the patience, the love of God, God got a hold of me. He was walking me through what was going on in my life, and he was going to see me through. And I'm telling you, whatever you're going through, if you stick with God, stick with the word, stick with prayer, whatever you're going through, God is going to see us through. We're not going to stay the same way we are. He's going to show up, and we're going to find that we're going to be like Isaiah. We're going to say, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm undone. And I remember during the, that, the, that new time in my life as a young man, I remember coming to the altar one time, and there was no one there. It was after, after a church service, and there I am at the altar, and all of a sudden I got a vision of the Lord's feet. And I wept like I never wept before, like a snotty wept. You know what I'm saying when you're just like, you, you, you're done. You're un, I was undone. 
but it changed me. Do you understand? We need that hunger again. We were, we were singing, we are hungry. We are hungry. We are hungry for more of you. We need to be hungry. We need to be hungry. We need to be hungry for more of him because we cannot stay the same way we are and expect to operate in the way that God expects us and wants us to operate in the kingdom of God in these evil times. And so we need to see the Lord high and lifted up. We need a new vision of God for these types of days. And so while I say repentance is a nice word, true repentance really happens when God shows up and breaks us. See, judgment begins at the house of God. In second, I'm sorry, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, it says, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed because it is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins first with us, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? See, how do we expect a nation to turn to righteousness if the people of God aren't there yet? How do we expect the world? How do we expect it? How do you expect people that are, that are merrily going on their, their wicked ways to repent if the people of God haven't gotten there yet? How do we expect to change a culture if the people of God are operating in the same culture? How do we expect to change a nation if some people are voting for abortion and go to church? How do we expect to change a nation if the same people that vote for people that approve of our children being indoctrinated with homosexuality and transgenderism. How do we expect for a nation to change if we're voting in line with people that want to see the family broken up, the military weakened? And what was the other thing? The police, thank you. Somebody's listening. And the police weakened and handcuffed. That they're afraid to even interfere in a crime because there's no protection behind them. See, the institutions of God are under attack. And so how do we expect righteousness to begin outside if it hasn't happened inside yet? And so we need to call out to God. We need to, to ask for the Lord's holiness to show up that there can start a change in our own lives. And so we can't expect something to change on the outside if the inside of the house of God hasn't changed because judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Number three. First we see God, then we hear God, and then we move with God. In Isaiah, first he saw God. Then after he saw God, check this out. In Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell the people, Keep on listening, but not perceiving. Keep on looking, but never understanding. Render the hearts of these people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim, Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. So what's going on here? L let me kind of break, break it down. So the first thing that has to happen is we need to see God. See, when we see God for who he really is, then we're going to get an understanding of really hearing what God is saying. See, because if you say to people, hey, what's God saying in these times? What is God saying in these times? And the reason we can't answer that question is because we haven't seen God for who he really is. And because we haven't seen God for who he really is, it hasn't impacted us and broken us to where we can hear God. We're also a busy people. And because we're a busy people, it's almost as if we don't really have time for God. We've already set our agenda. 
And because our agenda supersedes time spent with God, we really don't know what God is saying. And so because we don't have an understanding of God, what God is saying, because we haven't seen God for his glory in a long time, and because we're not hearing what God is saying, we can't move with what God is doing. See, we have men's prayer every third Saturday of the month. And I'm hearing, too, there's, a, there's prayer on Thursday nights here at what time? 6.30. See, we're beginning to do what God is asking us to do. What's the first thing he wants a people to, his people to do? Pray. Okay. And because we're a people that's beginning and starting to pray and we're knocking on heaven's door, just leave that alone for a second. Some of you are probably going to say, knock, knock, knocking on it. Yeah, yeah, I know you. Okay, Bible says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. We're doing what sensitive people would do in times like this. We can't change anyone. So what we have to do is doing what we're doing. We're humbling ourselves and we're praying. Okay, we have to keep this up until something breaks. We have to keep praying. Now, the men in the church that have been coming on the third Saturday of the month that have been coming here, we've been doing this for a little over two years. We started this out in 2020 because there was a sense that something was not right. This was before the, before the election of 2020. There was something just not right. And so while we may have started off with human motives, God took us to where we're at now, beseeching God for repentance, beseeching God for the, for the unborn, beseeching God for the school across the street, beseeching God for, our, for the next generation. We're beginning to call out to God for a change. And because we're calling out to God for a change, it seems like things are ramping up in a negative way. But that's to be expected. See, as we begin to call out to God and the, and, and the people of God are calling out, it seems like wickedness is increasing. Okay, of course it's increasing. There's going to be opposition, but the people of God have to keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward, keep knocking forward, keep going on, keep believing God, keep waiting to see God move, keep waiting for God to reveal himself, keep waiting on God. Wait on the Lord and he shall sustain you. And so we're doing what's required of us, and that's a good thing. But now we need to continue to, to do what we're doing. See, there's a progression in what God wants to do in and through his people. We see it in the, in the, in the life of Isaiah. There was a progression. It was quick, but there was a progression. Now, we don't know how, lo how long Isaiah may have been praying or what Isaiah may have been doing. When we get a hold of Isaiah in the scripture, it seems like he just showed up after King Uzziah died and God showed up. It might not have been like that. He might have been one who's been praying for a long time because he saw the wickedness of God and he saw the judgment that was about to come upon a nation and he began to beseech God. We don't know that. We think that, well, Isaiah just showed up and God showed up. Maybe he did, but maybe that's not the way it happened. And, and because of that, we need to act in the way that we're acting now. We need to ramp up our prayers. We need to beseech God. We need to call on God. We need to ask God to place a hunger in us for more of him and less of us. And see, there's a progression that's going on in the life of Isaiah. So all of a sudden, Isaiah is there when something, when there was a shift in, in the nation of Israel. A king that had lived and reigned for 54 years was no longer, and something new was about to begin. And because something new was about to begin, God showed up. And because God showed up, he saw God. And because he saw God, God he, and he confessed his sin before God, God forgave him and changed him. And because God forgave him and changed him, he heard God. And when he heard God and he heard what God wanted to do, he was willing to be one to move with God and do what God was doing in that time. See, there's a, prog there's pro there's a progression. You want to talk about, well, the progressives. I'll tell you who a real progressive is, God. People call out, he'll show up. When he shows up, the people change. When the people change, they hear God. When they hear God, they move with God. When they move with God, things get done because they're moving with God. 
We cannot move and do anything without hearing from the Lord. We want things to change, but we have not the power to change it. And here's the other thing, too. How many of us are willing to suffer loss for the kingdom of God? I got a home. I got a mortgage. I got a job. If you speak now, you may be canceled, and you'll lose what you have. Are you willing to do that right now? Not now. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit afraid. But, but, I got a little reverb there for a second. But if we hear God and see what God is doing, we're willing to put it all on the line and suffer loss because we know we're moving under the power and anointing of God. And even if we suffer loss, we know God has us and will sustain us and take care of us. See, to move out now and try to take on an evil spirit or an evil time, you'll suffer great calamity. And if God hasn't called you to suffer that yet, why go through that suffering? But if we get to a place where we're calling out to God and, and, and God reveals himself and there's, a, there's true repentance and then we hear God and then we see what God says to us and we get marching orders from God, then we can't deny that God's with us and we're willing to suffer loss because it's a good thing. And so we have to be a people prepared to move with God when the time is right. And so... We need to see God in all his holiness. We need to see us in need of our cleansing, healing, and infilling. We need to hear God's plan, his heart for the nation. We need to be obedient when the time is right to execute his plan and his word. I want to share something with you. Okay, just a little bit, five more minutes. I was praying a little while ago, probably about a week ago, and I said to the Lord, Lord, can you give me a divine appointment? And so the next day I'm at work and I threw out the garbage. I work as a custodian at an elementary school and I'm coming in with the garbage pail and there's this girl sitting there with children. There's an after school program. So I'm going through the cafeteria and I hear the girl say, um, I'm leaving. So I'm like, uh, oh, so you're leaving? She says, yes, yeah, so don't tell anybody. I said, it's none of my business. I'm not going to say anything, you know, but I, I, you can trust me. I'll, I'll keep it quiet. Yeah, absolutely. She goes, yeah, da, 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 you know. I said, okay, keep it quiet. So then when I'm in prayer that night, all of a sudden the Lord says, hey, I gave you a divine appointment. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, oh, that girl that's leaving. All right, let me tell you about the girl. Her name is Dana, and she's, she's homosexual, Okay. That's the way that is. And I'm like, okay, God, could you have given me an easier assignment? But okay, I, 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 I'm all in. I'm in. God said, I asked. God said, okay, here's your assignment. I said, okay, I'm all in. But let me tell you something. In and of myself, I have nothing to give to her. Nothing. What can I tell her? What can I give her? The only thing that's worth me giving in, that's inside of me is Jesus Christ. Okay, but now, how do I speak to her about Jesus without meeting with Jesus, without humbling myself, without turning over a plate and getting something from the Lord that I can give her? She may not receive or, or, or how would you say, pick up what I'll be putting down, but I'm asking God to plant a seed in her heart. Because here's the thing, now I'm responsible. See, I'll never see this girl again. And if I keep quiet, there may be no one else to pick up the assignment. And this girl will go on and enter eternity or enter, enter eternal damnation without someone who have told her about the love of God and the power of Jesus Christ. Do I know what I'm going to do? Absolutely not. Am I a little like, uh, yeah, but that's okay. That's, that's kind of cool. You don't want to go and, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the super Christian and I'm going to come here and tell you about Jesus. No, I'm like, oh, okay, God, you gave me an assignment. I asked for it. You asked for it. You got it. And so what I want to say to you, church, ask God for divine appointments so that you can have something to begin to practice with so that you can begin to do. You'll hear from God. And, okay, now, look, I heard from God. I've got an assignment. I'm willing to put it all out on the line. 
Why? Because God, I asked God for a assignment. He gave it to me. I'm willing to move into it. Well, what I got to do to move into it? Right now, I just got to humble myself because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to reach out. I don't know what to say to her, but God does. So I got to spend time with God so that I can get something in my spirit so when the time is right. Because I had to go to her the next day and say, hey, I, I, I know I'm keeping quiet. I'm not saying anything, but when are you leaving? I'm leaving on my last day is November 16th. So that's next week. I'm like, good, I got time. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I have time to get before the Lord now. Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Why, why fast and pray? Because I don't have nothing to give her. Who am I? Okay, yeah, I'm a Christian. Big deal. God has to have something to give to her. And if we spend time before the Lord asking, God, give me something to give to someone else that comes from you that will touch or, or that, will, that will plant a seed, that will get in. God, that you can send someone else to water, someone else to, to, to uh, till the soil, something. Because, God, you only can change a life. See, I know nothing that happened to this girl that may have made her what she is today, what abuse she may have gone through, what rejection she may have gone through. Something significant happened in her life for her to deny the creation of what God made her to be. What spirit entered into her? I do not know. Well, yeah, I do know. Okay. That's not of God. And so I can say be well fed and merry and have a good day and enjoy your life. Good luck with you. And she walks away from a person now that I'm responsible for. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not a super, because, oh, look at you. No, each and every one of us should ask God for a divine appointment so that we can have a mission to do something for the Lord. And so... This is the thing. Let us ask God. God, give me someone to, to witness to in a way that causes me to have to humble myself so that I have something to give them. And so, pray with me. Her name is Dana. Um, and I would appreciate your prayers too. Uh, ask God to give thick-headed Pastor Mike the ability to um, come through for, for him. Amen? Amen. Um, now that we've kind of gone through the scripture and understanding what's going on, that God wants to show up for his people. God wants true repentance to take place in his people. And the only way true repentance can take place is if God shows up. True repentance. Okay, and if true repentance can take place, then we can see God fresh. Then we can hear God fresh and we can move with God fresh. I'd like us to stand and seal the word of God today with a song that I think is prophetic and profound for this time that we're in.
mountains Break the walls of heart Open the heads Almighty God You are overcome Defender of my heart It's who you are, God alone And by your power The oceans open wide Your fire falls down Heaven and earth collide King Jesus Forever by my side Yeah Your power Your presence Breaks strongholds King of heaven When you speak Mountains move I believe There will be breakthrough In your power In your presence Breaks strongholds King of heaven When you speak Mountains move I believe There will be breakthrough Yeah Yeah There will be breakthrough There will be breakthroughs if the people of God press into God there will be breakthroughs in the heavenly realm. And then what's the mission? Well, let's do what Jesus did. In Acts 10.38, it says, As you know, as you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's the things that we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing good. We're going to be healing the people, and we're going to see those that are oppressed by the enemy, broken, set free, and brought into the kingdom of God. For this church is a church that is going to be a church known for saving souls and going out and doing kingdom works. Amen. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs>